Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And welcome back to the Priest of Dispatchers channel. If you like me, you struggle with arguments or heated conversations with TBM members of family or you know other friends that you used to go to church with, etc. And you just don't seem to be able to have a conversation that doesn't end badly. Um, then this evening might be for you. We are going to be speaking about street epistemology, which is the dark art of having the other person or helping the other person understand their core belief and how they came to that belief. I think that's right. But I guess this evening, Lisa Fisher, all the way from Salt Lake City in Utah, is going to explain more about that. And we're going to yeah, do some street epistemology later where I will pretend to hold um, a belief and she will help me understand why I do and possibly why I shouldn't. So um, one goal for this evening that we'd love to get to is 100 likes on this video. That would be amazing. It would really help with the YouTube algorithm. And also we have a fundraiser going on um, to pay for yeah, just yearly things, website costs, different things like that. If you feel that you can support the channel that way, the link is in the description below. But for now, let's get to Lisa. Hi, Lisa. How are you doing? Hi, PD. I'm doing good. I'm excited awesome. to be here. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I I think we we just have to kind of get the elephant out of the room, Lisa, with regards yeah. to what's just happened in the United States. We just discussed it and it kind of yeah, puts a bit of a downer on proceedings all over the world, um, with the whole Roe versus Wade um being overturned and different things. Um our, I guess our hearts go out to those people affected by that. And yeah, the, the rest of the world looking in at the United States at the moment is kind of like cringing a little bit and, and shaking their heads, wondering how we can come so far and then and step backwards. Yeah. So yeah, our hearts go out to anyone um, who has been severely affected by that, especially in the last few hours. Um, but we, we will move on to you lisa so you're in salt lake city now um is that your where you're originally from nope i grew up in california and i've been here about a year and a half i moved here for a job to work and um my sister is here and well a couple of my siblings are here as well but most of my life is california okay um so we're not working for the church no no <laughs> you might have been we could have had an insider you know, yeah, I yeah know. you know we all work for the church once scrubbing toilets so yeah i did yeah yeah that's where full-time job with the church unpaid <laughs> yeah well keith erickson mormon historian said that he found um his best revelations at the bottom of a church toilet so hmm. yeah they always came to him while scrubbing the toilets so Good maybe that know. Maybe that's where we've all gone wrong. I was thinking bad words in my head while I was scrubbing toilets. Yeah, Yeah. those gold-plated, $100 billion toilets. (laughs) Uh, So 
I guess the the first question that I ask everyone then is, Lisa, how did you become a Mormon? I became a Mormon at birth. My parents were active. My mom was a convert. My dad was born into it. Um, so I was born into the church, baptized at eight, um, did all of the things that you're supposed to do as a good Mormon kid. Um, I'm the second oldest of eight children. So there's a lot of us siblings, which was a huge Mormon family for California, especially like we got sideways looks all the time, but um, very active, went to seminary, graduated seminary, kind of fell away in my teen years. That's think, not what you asked, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I was I the same. One. Yeah. Well, I think, um, where were you in the, the eight? Second. The top? Second. Second. Okay. So I have an older, one older sister. Yeah. Okay. So I was, I was, um, near the bottom of a stack of six. Mm -hmm. and I, I always thought that the older siblings got it the best, um, <laughs> but I'm sure you'll think that the, the younger older ones, ones the younger ones have. Yeah, it yeah, of course. <laughs> but I think it must have been in, in the UK, a lot like in California, everyone kind of looks and thinks, wow, how many kids are getting out of that minivan? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. So you fell away in your teens. What brought you back to church? Um, well, I ended up getting pregnant at 19. Okay. Uh, and I graduated high school barely, and I had no prospects and no goals and uh, broke up with the dad. And I was like, I literally don't know what to do. And I need, I know I needed help from family. And the best way I found to do that was I got to dive into the church. I've got to make sure that this is true because I need help right now. And I can't because yeah. I, I didn't have a job, you know, I'm a 19 year old kid. Yeah. And so, um, uh, yeah, well, it, it's an awesome support structure. Yes. You know? yeah. And when I was leaving the church, my wife wasn't leaving, um, with me, uh, eventually mm -hmm. end up in the same place but I really tried to kind of be that physically and mentally out person and I couldn't be because I kind of said yeah it's a great moral system for the kids and support mm -hmm. system but I, I couldn't get past the truth claims um, and that kind of I kind of said if they could just get rid of that and not not say that they um you know thought it was all true, then I could deal with it. Yeah, but, the community support is amazing. Like that's yeah. what keeps people in a lot of times. I, I get it. I totally get it. That is. And I think we've we've um, we've moved away and come back to an area where we used to live and where we used to live here, we were fully active and now we've come back and we're not active at all. And mm -hmm. it's amazing how many of those friends that we used to have are still around. None of them. So right such is life so yep. you you found a i guess a support system in the church uh what was next for you um did you find your returning missionary your shining knight uh kind of yeah i got married to uh in california there's not a lot of single adults okay. in the church so 
I dated and I had a friend in the ward and we were same age and both coming out of kind of traumatic stuff. Okay. And uh, he was trying to get his life together. I'm trying to get my life together. We're both trying to do the church thing, both very active families. Uh, he's a, one of eight or eight, nine kids in his family wow. as well. Both big, big Mormon families. And we're like, we should probably just get married because I wanted to go to the temple and he wanted to go to the temple and we're trying to do everything the right way. And so we did, we got married at, when I was 21, I had a little daughter at this point and we were all sealed together and it was a beautiful. That, that has <laughs> to be. On the outside, of, it was a beautiful scene. <laughs> yeah. One of the most interesting reasons to get married. I can see you now. You just kind of sat there at a ward activity looking at everyone else. You're the only two people your age in the room and you're just like, oh, I guess we should get married then, eh? Guess we uh, should do this. Uh, <laughs> so wow. we did. Um, I think if, if, if the membership in California is a lot like the UK, everyone's re related as well because there are so few kind of people going around that you end up marrying people you didn't even know you were once related to, but you're now related in more than one way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or, we did yeah. trace it back and we do have like some great, great, great grandparents in the church that were sister wives or something. I can't remember what it was, but there is some wow. kind of relation. <laughs> wow. So that was fun. <laughs> cool. Um, so you've, you've journeyed through church as uh, a, a Mormon mother, uh, bringing up children through the primary and youth system. Mm -hmm. But what was it that I guess derailed you and took you away from the Mormon system? What, what took you out of the church almost? Yeah, we had three more kids and raised them all. Um, I didn't learn about the gospel topics, essays or um, historical facts. Like none of that was a factor. It was going through some severe struggles and trials and realizing that this is not a loving God. This is not the God that I was told cares about me and wants me to have the best things in life and will help me through all the problems that I have um, because none of that was happening. And I would literally like be laying on the ground crying, pleading with God, please help me. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Like, I can't do this. Like, I literally can't do this anymore. Like, I want to die. And um, it got to the point where I started thinking, I am a better parent than this loving Heavenly Father. If my child was pleading with me, asking me daily, all day to for help and guidance and just comfort or anything, just anything, I would never turn my back or leave them on their own to figure it out. <clears throat> And none of them, I mean, this was like several years long process. So I just one day it crossed my mind. What if God's not real? And, and then I just had this overwhelming feeling of peace and comfort. And I'm like, I'm the one that needs to step up and do stuff now because none of this praying and 
pleading and I went to the bishop and I went to the stake president and I went to the Relief Society president. I didn't even know who my my visiting teachers were because, you know, I was the active one. I was the one that did the visiting teaching. I didn't need the help. I gave mm -hmm. I was the giver of the help. Yeah. So I, I didn't even I, I went through all the proper channels and nothing was working. So I decided I'm just going to be agnostic about God. Yeah. And um, it just slowly slipped from there. And then are you still agnostic? No, no. Mm -mm. OK, <laughs> I identify as an atheist at this yeah. point because think... it does. I'm not convinced I could yeah. be convinced at some point but at, at this it would take something significant and repeatable and there'd be a lot of explaining to do there's there's a quote that comes to mind from um a comedian um can't remember his name he did the office the english guy um oh, but ricky gervais, ricky gervais yeah. and he was speaking about being an atheist and he was saying when he speaks to religious people, he'll say, to the, and they can't understand how he can be an atheist. And you say to them, well, you know, there's like the real, other religions have got like 5,000 other gods. Do you believe in all those other gods? No, I don't believe in all those other gods. So he just said, well, I believe in one less than you then, mm -hmm. you know, and it's the same way. Um, and w when you were saying there from a gospel point of view, I think when I was in, I'd have been sharing the story of um, the brother who dies and he goes to heaven to God and he's saying to God, look, all of these terrible things were happening on earth. Where were you? What sort of loving parent are you? And then God's and he's like, why didn't you do anything? Why didn't you intervene? Um, and, and God simply says to him, I did intervene. I sent you. And I think that's the whole, it's the worst circular thinking in the world right. from, the, from the church. It's like, God doesn't have to do anything because you're there. But if, right. you're, the, if you're the one that's suffering, it's like, I've been there. I've been in what sounds like a very similar place um, in my life. And to be able to plead with God and to bring to life the scriptures that speak about Jesus having de descended below it all so that he could succor his people. And then when you're actually there and you're just talking to the bedsheets, mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing coming and it, it is, it just it pushes you even further down. Um, and I, I had someone send me the footprints in the sand oh. and I was like, fudge you man because <laughs> that did nothing <laughs> except make it worse and how how rude is it of people to just think that yeah i'll send a poem and everything's gonna be great because she's yeah. gonna have have this wonderful realization that jesus is actually carrying her and that it could be worse but right. yeah they it could be worse thing <laughs> too well, at least you don't have X, Y, Z and this to deal with. And yeah, yeah. And I, okay. I, when I speak to family members about these things, and we might get here with the whole um, street epistemology thing, because this is an interesting one that I find. Um, <laughs> so 
I had a moment where I was thinking about all the suffering in the world and the fact that there are that many people on the earth that at any second people are experiencing every emotion from one end of the scale to the other, from pure elation to devastation and that and everywhere in between eight billion times all at once mm -hmm. and that a loving heavenly father is watching over all of those emotions and all of those actions and all of those things that guy's head must be messed up because even an omnipotent being must just like feeling elation and devastation at the same time it, it, yeah right. and the church would just say we don't need to know about that in this life Okay, I think Lisa's paused for just a moment. Um, JC had, gods were a creative way for humans without better scientific tools to explain nature and the cosmos. The gods have continually retreated for we seculars as science better explains nature. That's true because, Lisa's back. Hey, Lisa, just a second. Okay. Uh, just explaining JC's comment here, he's saying that um, it was a way of humans to fill the gaps. It's the God of the gaps um, that we always get. So when people looked up in the sky and they saw the sun and they didn't understand it, but they knew that it brought life, mm -hmm. it, it became a sun God and, and so on and so on and so on until the point now where we don't have the God of the gaps. We put aliens in the gaps. <laughs> so it's like, the pyramids weren't built by slaves. They were built by aliens. Um, right. So, okay. Which makes sense. And I totally get it. Like I, I was there. I understand. Yeah. You were there at the pyramids. <laughs> <laughs> the God of the gaps argument. I yeah. use that. Yeah. We don't know. Probably God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's those thought stopping um, phrases, isn't it? We don't need to know in this life or, it's not pertinent to my salvation or when you can do right. the little things you can know about the bigger things or milk before meat brother you can get there's a whole list of of uh, thought stopping and you look like helios used to drive the sun across the sky every day that's a you know it could that could be we don't know that's a good guess yeah and then you learn more and then you change your mind yeah and and i think for me, one thing that I felt was really um, liberating was to be able to say, I don't know, and that's okay. I love saying I don't know. Because, yeah, because when you've, when, for 35 years, I've said, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And mm -hmm. because I know, I need to twist everything else to fit what I said I know. Mm. But now I can be like, well, I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah. I talk about that a lot, just embracing the I don't know. Yeah. You don't need an answer if you don't, if there's no way to find an answer. Yeah. Accepting and just guessing on something. Is that really what you want to do? No, uh, not when I'm giving up 52 days, holiday, year, and 10% of my income. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to guess about that. And I'm you sure many... 52 days a year. Well, that's one day a week, isn't it? That you'd be well, giving up if you went back to church plus all the calling time uh, yeah and i i guarantee 
that if you went to any Mormon with uh, just a recommendation that's not got the church's name printed all over it, that they give that money and that time to an organization that gives them pretty much nothing in return apart from a few platitudes and fairy tales, that they will say, oh, no, I've not got time for that. <laughs> right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Boggles the mind. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Big brother, like I'm I'm gonna put this on here, big brother, just because you've made me smile for the day. We're not here to get into flat earth, but you know the the earth is in a containment on a flat plane because research this before laughing. I'm not <laughs> laughing at you, I'm laughing at where we are in history, um, etc. So that would be a good one for street epistemology. That but comes up a lot. <laughs> yeah, but where where you should go, I think Anthony, um, I've written his name down so I pronounce it right. Anthony Magnabosco on job. YouTube has uh, met with some flat earthers. I think you'd really enjoy uh, watching that. And you can maybe compare what we do this evening with what Anthony does there and see what he's saying. Um, but all beliefs, all beliefs are welcome as long as they don't impinge upon the rights of others or harm others, in my opinion. You know, if you want to believe that it's a flying spaghetti monster, you can do that in the privacy of your own home. Just don't knock on my door and demand that I believe it too. Um, and pass so. laws according to those beliefs. And... Yeah, yeah. Well, we've, we've come full circle already because that's just what it is, isn't it? A lot of Republicans on the Supreme Court um yeah because of their beliefs this is why street epistemology is so important to me is because your beliefs affect your actions and you act on the things that you believe and those do impact other people and sometimes huge impacts on other people so it's important that our beliefs in my mind well for me at least it's important that my beliefs are as close to truth as possible or align as closely with reality as possible. And mm -hmm. it may not ever get to 100%, but to get closer for good reasons. Yeah, and I think if we're always getting closer by saying, I don't know and I'm willing to learn, mm -hmm. that's if, if, if everyone said that and they just said, I, I don't know, this is my I'm experience. And I'm going to withhold judgment or withhold a belief until I learn more. Yeah. Or or to give credence to other people's spiritual experiences. Because that's that's the weird thing that so many people have the same experience of um these raised emotional kind of states and it's always due to something different which is weird in different mm -hmm. churches, but they all they just they just stand there and say, "Ah, oh, but yours wasn't like mine, you know." It, but or if they you all were deceived, and I wasn't deceived. Yours was from Satan, sir. Yeah, mm -hmm. yours yours came with in a black bag. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Okay, so street epistemology. Um, my first. Uh, I guess exposure to street epistemology was Anthony Magnabosco's Magnabosco's uh, interview on Mormon stories. If anyone okay. wants to, they can go find that in the archive. Um, but for you, how did you first come across street epistemology? 
Um, I was getting into a few years before Anthony's um, interview on Mormon stories. I had been looking into um, cults and just trying to figure out what my God belief it was currently. And um, I started like watching some atheist debates versus <clears throat> some um, Matt Dillahunty, you know, atheist experience type thing. I'm like, what is this yeah. all about? Like now I, I feel like I was so indoctrinated on one side. I want to hear the other side. And what are some other maybe reasons why people don't uh, believe in any religions? Like I wanted to try to figure that because I had taken my kids to like some Buddhist temples and like kind of looked for some other belief system that, well, if this isn't true, well, what is? And so I just kind of started doing exploration and the, the term street epistemology came up and Anthony's videos came up and read nice wonders videos. And I'm like, this is what I did to myself without even knowing it. And if I could have had somebody ask me these questions, maybe it wouldn't have taken 10 years for me to try to figure out this on my own. Like what is a good reason to accept a belief and what isn't? I didn't read that comment. So if that was for me, oh, sorry. Sorry. It was just Travis saying that oh. he read the original street epistemology oh. book oh, cool. before, before Anthony did. I don't know how Travis knows that he did it before. Do you know Anthony Travis or whether, whether or not he did? Um, but yeah, so we, you run a street epistemology group. Yeah. Which street epistemology book? Was it a manual for creating atheists or there you go, yeah. how Emmanuel. to have impossible conversations? A manual yeah. for creating atheists. What year did that come out? I don't know. Twenty thirteen okay. or something. Okay, so, but wow. it's still pretty new. It's it's not a, um, a decades and decades old thing. And I'm glad that it's pretty new because I've only found it recently and I've not missed it. But for yeah, me, and it it's was... changed a lot since then too. I don't mean to interrupt you. No, but no, it's... go for it. Street epistemology isn't about, well, at least to me, and for a lot of the street epistemologist people that I work with and, uh, and talk to, it's not about creating atheists. It's not about deconverting people. It's not a, about even changing people's minds. It's, it's about, so like the title, A Manual for Creating Atheists, gives it kind of that connotation that it's just reverse proselytizing and um, how street epistemology is sneaky and trying to uh, get religion out of the world in general in a kind of sneaky backdoor fashion. And, and it's not accurate. And maybe that might've been the original intention of it, but, oh, Travis is a moderator at SE. Yeah, he, he's, he's, <clears throat> sorry. So Travis, I've, I'm, I'm starting to sweat now because I'm like, Travis has seen, he says hundreds and thousands of mm -hmm. SE combos. So I'm like, we, we need to do a good job now. Travis is here. <laughs> um, Travis, if we die on our asses, we uh, we apologize. Uh, we'll try our best. But yeah, and I, I'm a student. I consider myself a student of street epistemology. I'm not any kind of expert, and I, I haven't even been doing it for very long. We've just had the meetup group, um, and I started a YouTube channel. But I am constantly learning. It's one of the things I'm super passionate about and interested in. And I see the value in it, and I really want to spread it to other people. So that's okay. I my think goal. he's 
he's given us a break. He said he won't invent a hell to send us to. So you can go ahead. I'm not gonna do <laughs> we'll, we'll question you on it. Yeah. Uh, so what what is street epistemology? Why is it different to just the uh, I guess the evangelical guys that go out on the street and find a pair of unsuspecting Mormon missionaries and tear them a new one on YouTube? What's the difference? Yeah, there is kind of this connection with street preaching and the street preachers who go out and do that. So street epistemology is kind of has, that's why I guess it gets that name of reverse proselytizing. Um, what was the question? <laughs> what What is street epistemology? If you had to explain it in, in I guess, yeah. a sentence. This is how I explain it to new people that come to my group and stuff. It's the what, why, and how of a person's belief. So you ask them what their belief is. Tell me about what it is that you believe. So do you believe you put your furniture in a certain way in your house and you'll have good flow of energy and you'll bring you luck and riches? Okay. Why do you believe that's true? So you go from what to why? Well, I believe it's true because I read a book on it or my parents did it and they taught it to me or why, why do you believe this? And then you can ask them, okay, so if your parents didn't teach you that, would you still believe it? Yes, I would because, and then X, Y, and Z, fill in the blanks. And then you go through the next one. Okay, if you didn't read the book about it and your parents didn't teach you about it, would you still believe it? Yes, I would because I've tried it and I've had all these good experiences that I, that confirmed to me that the feng shui in my house is spot on perfect. Mm -hmm. So, okay, okay so, so you get down to the fundamental reason, which is, the personal experience now. It's not the parents, it's not the book, it's not the YouTube videos you've been watching, it's this personal experience has the most weight. So then you ask, how did you come to that belief? So what, why, how? And that's where you get into the epistemology and sometimes you get on the why for a long time as well. Because a lot of times there's so many reasons that and and if you've never thought about it before you might even not understand what your reasons are it's just true because i i think it's true and that's that's the one that i think comes up the most when i've been watching them especially so i've been watching a lot of anthony's when it comes to mormon missionaries or interactions with mormons and a lot of the time it's so annoying because he's so nice it's like being killed it's like being drowned in honey, if you know <laughs> what I mean. Like, he's just, you can't be angry at the guy. Because mm -hmm. I can imagine if I was the missionary, I'd be like, yeah, I'll go on a YouTube video, let's do it. And then he'd start asking me questions, and I'd be like, I know what he's doing. He's trying to trap me. I know he's trying to trap me. But he's not actually asking anything out of the ordinary. He's not leading the conversation towards a scripture mm -hmm. that he wants to argue about or that he thinks he knows more about. He is genuinely just asking, as you said, what do you believe? Why do you believe it? And how do how you do believe you it? What, yeah. why, then how? So, and, and just by going through those steps, mm -hmm. they get to the point where they're like, yeah. Or the, one that I saw today, Mormon missionaries, Book of Mormon. Um, he, he said to them, what do you believe? Do you believe the Book of Mormon is true? Uh, why? because um, we've tested it and, and this happened in our lives. How, 
um, and they spoke about the spirit and different things. But then by the end of it, he was saying to them, so you believe the book's true because you've tested it. Can other people test it? And they're like, well, you've got to have faith. And he's like, so you can't test it. And then they couldn't answer because when you break it down that way, it, it exposes the fact that the whole thing doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, and when you get into the how you can compare okay i prayed about it and i had a warm feeling and that confirmed it to me that it was true and so you could ask the question well if somebody uh who's a catholic prays about it and has a warm feeling does that mean that catholicism is true also if somebody who's a hindu who prays about it to one of the many thousands of gods and they have a warm feeling does that mean that that's true are all of those true can they all be true and uh, just getting down and sometimes i'll say well it's true for me yeah it's like satan and the holy spirit sharing a cell phone you never know who's actually calling i don't know well i don't know do you believe that they do <laughs> Why do you I'm, believe that? I'm about 1% convinced that they do. Pardon me. Pardon me. Um, so, yeah. So there's a little it. more to it then. But that's the basic. Um, if you just start there, what, why, how? And is that a reliable method to come to a belief? Would you use that method to come to the belief that the earth is flat? Could you go through those same steps and come to this a different conclusion or so and if you can if other people are using the same method and you're using the same method and that guy over there are all using the same method and you're coming to completely different conclusions how can this person over here who hasn't tried it yet how can they decide which one they should try or which one has the most truth or which one might be the path that they would want to go down and there it's all kind of the same like we can't really test it it's all based on how we feel about it how the fruits of the spirit are our spiritual blessings are are you know it's all just kind of nebulous and open to interpretation yeah if that well, makes sense so have you had any i guess se conversations with family members um, about the church or anything or run-ins not really no my family is very conflict avoidant so any slightly tense feelings that come up we'll just change the subject to the weather and i say we like i would love to talk about it but um oh, are we related <laughs> Does that sound familiar? Yeah, I think it must be like a Mormon thing. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Spirit of contention is of the devil. Let's not let's not go down. Like we were raised to be nice all the time and put others first. And what about their feelings? Like you have to consider somebody else's feelings all the time. No, they're and, great. They're great things to consider. But at the same mm -hmm. time, some things need to be spoken about. And... Oh, anger! If you don't do anger, that goes down. Just. <sighs> I, avoid, avoid. I find now that they they label me as the black sheep and that if someone's going to kick off a family event it's going to be pd because 
he carries the devil in his back pocket and you know he's yeah why they, do you do that i know why 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 on earth would i even show up to a family event yeah, oh, yeah. touchy subject but street epistemology i have okay. not been invited to a few things just because yeah. let's just avoid the whole lisa likes to talk thing <laughs> isn't it interesting how the church isn't a cult because it doesn't control its people but but it, it's it's influences enough to overcome actual like family blood ties and not invite people to family events because they have a slightly differing opinion it's yep. it's sad um but we can all have a great opinion today anyone watching yeah. um i am lifting my skirt for likes today 100 likes would really help on the youtube algor uh, algorithm um but we are going to get into some street epistemology now and yes. in can i just point out real quick travis's comment of the otf the outsider test for faith Ooh. and that's what it's called when you compare a, a different methodology with a to a different conclusion so the, the outsider like we're all insiders in mormonism we all know mm -hmm. how we work so if the outsider test is the the muslim guy over here who does the same things and he gets completely different result so that's what the outsider test for faith is and we use that a lot okay well i think um one thing that i thought was really interesting from one of the videos i watched was at the end of it um anthony asking about uh, basically if they did their test the way that they've now explained it and they got a negative answer would they leave the church and i think it's it's really interesting to see these young missionaries be like yeah yeah, yeah i'd leave i'd leave I'd leave, um, but I genuinely don't think that a lot of people would. Because yeah, what do you, you think was crossing their mind during that? Uh, get away from this guy. <laughs> we met Satan today. I was, I was thinking they were probably thinking, well, there's no way that would happen. So, like, well, I'll just play along. That's it, because the test of faith in Mormonism is very nice promise. You pray, you get an answer, you get a a positive answer. I've had people tell me that they went to the bishop and told the bishop that they'd had a negative answer to Moroni's promise, at which point he told them that's Satan, they need to go and pray again. Right. And that's, yeah, that's the answer. You did it wrong. You need to go again. Um, mm -hmm. And that just goes back to Joseph Smith's folk magic and the fact that that still runs through the church today, mm -hmm. through sacrament prayers and baptisms, that if anything, tiniest thing is out of place then it's done wrong and it won't right. work because god couldn't possibly wipe the sins of a poor 18 year old girl if her little toenail popped up he has right. he, he is not powerful enough for that mm -mm. So. my hair comes up when i'm doing baptisms that's a oh redo yeah oh yeah no absolutely okay so we've we've been around the houses no it's been fun but, but um also, with, a little bit different with family members and friends who are active members, because you can't, because of this, well, you have a connection and assume you want to keep that family connection, which most of us do because we like our families overall. Um, 
you can't really push them with questions because it just doesn't work. I think as, as soon as you bring up any question, it doesn't matter how you bring it up, in what, whether you whisper it, shout it, it has the same impact of don't talk to me about that because if you're yeah. talking to me about that, then you're trying to pull me away. You're trying to prove me wrong. They become very defensive and it's horns mill all over again. You know, right. A, a right. You're, you're bringing a spiritual militia to, uh, you know, destroy them. Whereas, yeah, my, my brother's, are kind of like they're all stake presidents different things and they're they're kind of like well you know pd <laughs> let's let's just play football you know i'm not i'm not bothered you can talk about it if you want to but i'm not i'm not really bothered uh whereas my sister-in-laws are militant i bought up church money once and they were they were like they were there for jesus they were yeah wow defensive big time and my my mum was as well but yeah, I had to leave because I, I told them the truth as I saw it and mm -hmm. they didn't accept that and they thought I was being rude, so. Yeah, the backfire effect, uh, especially in Mormonism is real. I've mm -hmm. seen it. Uh, yeah. they, they will double down and feel like they're being personally attacked because their beliefs are their identity. It is who they are. So even questioning these things a lot of times will just build a, a brick wall right in front of you and, and they'll yeah. just like shut it down, shut it down. We're not talking about this. Yeah. So it makes it extra, extra hard. And I don't know exactly how to deal with that. Hopefully yeah. we'll figure something out. Well, one day, I, I think it, <sighs> sorry, this is really, that everyone's going to be like, what are we watching? PD's just like thinking, but I'm thinking about times with family where I've tried to make the effort to be like, oh, just look at this, you know, but if it's not got the church's stamp of approval on it and it's right. not being asked from a positive point of view, even me suggesting going to read the church essays is negative because I've suggested it. There must be something wrong because PD You're suggested to it. Tear away their faith. Yeah. Whereas faith. if the bishop had suggested it, right, then they'd be like, "Oh yeah, I'll go read that this afternoon." Um, but anything you I, suggest, yeah, as yeah. an ex-member or a former, you you have no credibility anymore. Yeah. Well, it was shot before, and it's uh, it's double shot now. Yeah. But. Which is okay. why also I like street epistemology because you can just in normal conversations slip in a question when a claim is made. Um, why do you think that is sometimes just like a good go-to? What, what's your reasoning behind that? Oh, well, the pr prophet Joseph F. Smith said this quote <clears throat> here, and that really convinced me. I found that you know, something that I should change my life now and, and just kind of say, Oh, that's, that's interesting. Why do we believe everything the prophet says every prophet all the time? Well, no, sometimes yeah. they're speaking as a man, sometimes they're speaking as a prophet and we have to use the, our discernment and you can kind of get into that. Like, well, how do we tell which is one and which is, or how do you tell? what's speaking as a man and what's speaking as a prophet how do you know that's reliable 
have you ever been wrong about that? Like, okay, and by this point, they're starting to <laughs> have flags yeah, up. Yeah. You wouldn't want to push it that far. But like, if it comes up, that's the most I've used SE with family members is just asking questions a little bit like down that pathway. Why do you think that? What yeah. brought you to that belief? 